Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a, a matinee edition of We Got Next. I'm Ricky Hampton, along with former Milwaukee Bucks center Paul Mokeski, Big Mo, coming to you with a mid uh, afternoon uh, session of We Got Next. Hope everybody's doing well wherever you are today. Paul and I thought we would get on here early. Uh, so we can all sit back and enjoy the uh, NCAA championship game tonight between uh, Utah and San Diego State. I know that's the two teams everybody expected to be in the yeah. big game, Mo. Yeah, How you doing, big fella? I'm good, man. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. We, uh, you know, we, we all want to see the game tonight. So, you know, a fourth seed against a fifth seed, you know, first time in the history of uh, college basketball and first time ever there's not been one number number one seed in the final four usually there's two or three uh and that had to go with the, the early upsets so uh you know it's going to be interesting though because you know there there's great stories uconn does have a history of winning some championships and and basketball wise san Diego state has never been there never won a championship but their coach has so uh you know it's it's uh it's a it's a different kind of interest, you know. You know, once uh, once Kansas was was out of it, who cares anymore? But uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, UConn's a really Folk good like team. a true Jayhawk. Absolutely, I mean, you know that. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some Purdue fans and Houston fans and you know all those. You know the the uh, number one seeds that are thinking the same way, but you know it's. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I, I think uh, you know UConn, a really good team. Um, uh, you know, but they've never they have not had a close game in the tournament. So you know they've won every game by fifteen points or more. Um, you know that's going to tell if this game is close at the end. We're going to see. You know. Uh, how they feel at the end of the game. And San Diego State, when you look at their roster, they have uh, the eight players that really play. They have eight seniors and two juniors. That's what they have. You know, Matt Bradley came alive in the next game. He had a bad game going into the Final Four, and I told people, watch out. He's going to have 20-plus points this game because great players, good scorers always come back, and he did. Um, you know, and... You know, they, uh, uh, San Diego State has size, shot blocking, and they, like they said, it's six seniors and two juniors, right? And UConn is the opposite. They have a really good team, too, uh, but they have uh, two seniors and three freshmen and a sophomore and a junior. And, uh, you know, their best player is a freshman, uh, uh, Sanago. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's probably a one and done. So I, I think in the final four, I always say experience and, and maturity uh, can go a long way. So this is going to be a perfect test of two pretty equally matched teams. So who's going to win the younger, uh, team, uh, with, uh, uh, with a younger coach, by the way, less experienced coach or the, uh, senior laden team with juniors and an experienced coach that's been there before. So it's going to be interesting. Hey, hey, hey Mo. What, 
I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard some people they're upset because and you played in one of the one of the blue buds, Kansas. You know, we don't have a Kansas, we don't have a Kentucky, we don't have the powerhouse programs. That what is is that bad because we got a San Diego State? How, how do you feel about having these sort of upstart teams? I think it's, it's different now. I think 10 or 15 years ago, yes, probably. Because really, the fan base uh, for Kansas and North Carolinas and Dukes is bigger than the fan bases yeah. for San Diego States and, and even UConn. So, you know, NCAA is about money, right? So it's got about TV rating. And who's going to tune in and watch these games? But yeah. anymore, like I've said before on our show, Basketball in college and in, really in NBA is becoming more of an individual sport. Uh, by the, I mean by that is uh, fans and uh, people that are watching are more interested in individuals like LeBron James or Embiid uh, 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 or something. They follow that player wherever they go rather than the team. So I think it's changed a little bit. So will it hurt it? Maybe a little bit, but not like it would have before. And quite frankly, this is the way it's going to go. You have the transfer portal and NIL money. So this is the new NCAA. With the transfer portal, you're going to have players move all the, all over the place. They're transferring. I think they're changing it to only two times now, but they there's, there's players that transfer four times already. And they're going where they think they can play and fit in. So when you're a college coach, you don't recruit high school players anymore. You don't recruit uh, prep school guys. You recruit. You go into the transfer portal, and there's over a thousand players in there right now, as we speak, that other coaches can go pick out. Guys have played at that level, played there, and, and you can plug them into your teams. And uh, you know that's just the way it's going to be. So you're going to be, you're going to see more Florida Atlantics, San Diego States. You're going to see more of them in the Final Four because of the transfer portal. And then the equalizer could be NIL money. You know, that the bigger schools can offer better NIL money because they have uh, bigger alumni that have more money uh, to give to these kids to stay in school or come to their school. So I know I know a couple people right now, their kids are in school, they're playing somewhere, and they're in a transfer portal, and teams are talking about, well, you can come here and make 200, 300, 400,000 in NIL money, or you're making. 20 where you're at. So that's going to become a factor of where these players uh, play. That's That looks like Michael Jordan's shot right there. I mentioned that. It does, yeah. 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 When, I, when that happened, I told the people I was watching, that looks like Michael Jordan back in the day. But uh, I think you're going to see more of this in the Final Four, more more four seeds, five seeds, eight seeds, because of the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Whether you agree with it or not, it is what it is. That's what it's going to be. I, I I heard somebody said uh, two weeks ago you could have got San Diego State playing in the finals for plus ten thousand. Uh, I don't know I don't know how the Vegas lines go, but that uh, sounds a lot. I have a I know someone that had Florida Atlantic if they won it all. Um, uh, you bet a hundred bucks he would have won uh, ten thousand I think. But he, he did that early on. So, you know, you have to, you know, pick these teams early on. But, you know, as the tournament goes on, you can see, you know, a lot of these teams like UConn and San Diego State, they have talent. I mean, 
you know, that sure they've lost some games. I I looked at like San Diego State. They they're thirty two and six. They lost two of their games early in the in the tournament in Hawaii. And guess who they lost to? Arizona and Arkansas, two five, top five teams. That's who they lost to. You know, then along the way they lost to UNR here in Reno, out in Reno and Boise State. But you know, those are you know they're playing a decent. Uh, you know, they lost to, to tough teams. And UConn lost six games in the middle of their season, which pretty much in a normal year would end your season. If you lost six games in the middle of your season, you're pretty much done. But they were all two uh, 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 Big East game teams, right? So, you know, those are tough losses, and they're on the roll at the right time playing. They've been playing the best basketball, UConn, for the last month, right? playing at the right time. Uh, you know, uh, playing, getting on a roll at the right time, and that's, you know, that's where they're at. So, you know, this is going to be an interesting game tonight. I look forward to it. And I think something you said when you talked about the transfer report, it kind of fits into this. The the power, the power schools can't recruit all the good players anymore. I mean, you you get good players that go other places. And especially those good players who aren't NBA caliber, but they're very good college players that are in this junior and senior year. The the best team, well, the, the Blue Bloods, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, whatever you want to say, North Carolina, the Blue Bloods are the only teams that can that recruit top top players in high school. They're the one and dones, right? So they can go get those guys because they can come and, and offer them, you know, five hundred thousand million dollars in NIL money to come play for them. So, but the other team, San Diego State, they're not recruiting in high school. They're looking at the transfer portal to get players that from Kansas, from Duke, from North Carolina. Kansas has, I think, four players uh, from last from this year's team that are in the transfer portal right now. Even so. You know, that's what San Diego State's, that's what the, you know, Florida Atlantic's, they look at Kansas's and North Carolina's and Duke's and Arizona's and look at players that have been there for a year or two are not happy and they want to come down and play on your team and be a starter. And and, and they 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 turn into good players. That's what it is. You know, the, the Kentucky's always, if Kyle Perry's there, Kentucky's always going to recruit high school one and done five stars. That doesn't mean you're going to get to the final four, though. With those players, right, right, yeah, I, it, it 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 is really interesting. I and I totally agree with you. I think this whole thing is uh, it, is changing, and uh, we, we'll only see more of what we've seen this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just like uh, Kansas, uh, uh, Grady Dick, the the six eight shooting kid, the. You know that that you know he, he had a really good year and he's he's going in the draft he's projected at being a, a you know 10th 11th 12th 13th pick whatever so you're talking about millions of dollars however you know a guy like that can think okay or i can go back to kansas and play for a million dollars right or whatever i can get in nil which is probably a million million and a half right now and enjoy another year of college you know I mean, you know, that, that's a legitimate choice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, 
who you like tonight? UConn. Uh, I, I, unless something drastic happens, you know, I have UConn, um, San Diego State, one of the best defensive teams, but they struggle against better offensive teams. UConn is very deep, and I'm going with experience, right? UConn has the experience. They have six seniors. No, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. San Diego State has six seniors and two juniors, uh, but their talent level, I don't think, overcomes the talent of UConn and the depth of UConn. Um, you know, you're looking at UConn has five or six players that are averaging, you know, uh, close to double digits, which is unusual for college. You know, where, uh, you know, San Diego State kind of relies on uh, uh, Brad, uh, was it Bradley? Yeah, Bradley a lot uh, for, and uh, uh, Trammell. But I think it's going to be a good game. I, I wouldn't, uh, I don't know what the point spread is, but, you know, if it cut, I will take UConn in a blowout and I'll take San Diego State if it's close. How about that? Okay. Okay. There's my. And it wouldn't surprise you if San Diego State won this game. No, not at all. Uh -uh. Yeah, yeah, that's where we are. That's what you want. Well, that is going to be fun tonight. I know everybody be tuned in uh, to check it out. Uh, yesterday we had the uh, women's final between uh, uh, LSU and speaking of the transfer portal. Yep. Kim Mulkey, LSU, used it to perfection. Uh, to uh, get their uh, championship, Kim Mulkey came in and uh, brought. She had four players and brought in a bunch of transfers. They came together, had a great season. Went 32, 33 and two. Made it thirty four and two yesterday with a victory over Upstart Iowa, which went on a great run. Led by Caitlin, Caitlin uh, Clark, who's just a, a tremendous player, and uh, I thought the women's was uh, that that whole Final Four was very entertaining, though. And honestly, I, I don't watch a lot of women's basketball, but I found myself watching some of these games. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to look it up, but well, let's we continue on with the transfer portal, right? LSU, I think, won four games two years ago. Yeah, four. That, no, nine. They won nine. They were nine, nine and twenty-four. Yeah. So in two years, you turned a program from nine and twenty-four to thirty, whatever and whatever. And that's the transfer portal. That's yep. what college basketball is about now. And so, you know, you're a, you're a coach like like she is. You you've been around for a while and have a reputation, and you have connections all over. You know, you, you can get, you know, three, four, five players transferred immediately and be an impact and be in a Final Four uh, and win a championship in uh, in two years. That's never – that used to never happen. You couldn't do that. You had, to, you had to recruit players out of high school. You had to have them mature after a couple of years and blend in with their seniors. It took three, four, five years to turn a program around. Anymore with Transfer Portal, it's two years. Yeah. And, and like you said – it does not matter if you like that or don't like it, because this is what it is now. Yeah, this is what it is, and you know, how about a a clash of two different styles and and uh, you know, yesterday and um, you know, I thought the, the the games before that 
Um, you know, the first couple of games were more exciting than last yesterday. But, um, you know, what's really exciting is, you know, I was, you know, I, I lived and worked in, in that arena in American Airlines in Dallas. I know how big it is. I know how exciting it gets. And it was really, it was interesting. And, and I was happy that it was packed. And, and you know, now's the time for uh, women's basketball to break away in college and, and get their own uh, TV deal and stuff for the Final Four. Because look at, people are watching it, people are paying attention. And they filled an 18,000 seat arena. So, you know, and uh, quite frankly, basketball, women's basketball, I don't watch a lot either. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it used to be like, uh, you know, mostly, sh you know, jump shots or low post moves and not much running and no pull up jump, sh you know, all that stuff. But these, these young ladies are just doing outstanding stuff, you know, dribble step backs and transition threes and, and drives to the basket, spin moves and, and all that stuff. You know, the, the dunking's not there, but quite frankly, I think dunking's overrated anyway. So, uh, you know, it's a great show for women's college oh. basketball and women's basketball in general. Mo, Duncan's overrated. All the young folks watching the show are going, Big Mo, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I mean, really, I mean, it's exciting play. Even in an NBA game, you're looking at, so, uh, you know, uh, in uh, each team will have 100, 100 possessions in an NBA game. You're looking at each team will get six seven dunks maybe so you know let's, let's, let's on, okay. no i i i totally get it. i totally uh, get get what you're saying i in, in in this game i mean that's a great pass by caitlin Carr. uh uh iowa in in this in the semifinal against south carolina iowa just packed it back in and let uh South Carolina shoot, and they were either they were often hesitant to shoot the ball, and when they shot, they could not make shots, and they really struggled with their normal power game inside because it was so congested. And one difference I see in the women's game, in the men's game, and it's just purely physical, the women don't finish around the basket. Uh, as well as the men, because they're not as high uh, around the basket. Well, that, so that, I think that congestion really bothers. Well, that that young lady right there changed the game. She won the game. She had 21 points at halftime, I think. Carson, yeah. Yeah, and she, she you know, they talk about the other players. She won that game because when Iowa was close and battling, she was knocking down threes, open or not open, like that. And she banked in one at the end of the half to put him up 17, I think. And that's what set the tone. And as far as laying out people, that's a scouting report thing. So if you are if you have a team with five players on it, you're guarding them, and you know two can't shoot, you should guard them on their three-point line. You don't have to. I want them to shoot. So on the offensive end, then you better, like LSU did, they, they prepared for that. So we just saw it a minute ago, a highlight of them backing off a player at the top of the key. And instead of shooting that shot and probably missing, they drove to the basket, had a spin move layup. That's the way to combat that. The way to not to combat that is to shoot the shot. Because you're, you're, you're open for a reason. You're open for a reason because you can't shoot. That's why you're open. You can't make yeah, shots. And, <laughs> and, hey, and we, we saw that in the NBA 
uh, not long ago, Draymond Green just gave uh, Russell Westbrook 15 footers. Well, of course, well, a little further than that, but yeah, I mean, and you know, 15 footer, any NBA player should be able to make that, but it's this guy kind of like, do I want you to shoot, do I want Russell Westbrook to shoot a three or drive to the basket? Which one would I pick? Oh, shoot three. Of course. So, <laughs> you know, so you're gonna you're gonna sit there, and that's a that's a, a physical way of pretty much taunting someone. Go ahead, shoot it. Go ahead, man. You're open. Yeah. Shoot it. I'm gonna leave you open. I'm not gonna block your shot. You play pickup ball. That's what they say. There's yeah. a reason they do because you can't make a shot. Now, <laughs> now, see Carson threw that one in there. You know, you know what you have when you just throw one in there off the backboard, Mom. <laughs> that's a heat. That's a heat check, man. And you know, but I mean. And LSU had better shooters. They had better shooters, and they had better drivers. So you know you couldn't you couldn't do what you were doing the last game. But you know that technique's been around a long time. Shoot, I mean, you know it's it's just pretty blatant because you see it on TV now. But you know we you know, in an NBA scout report you have uh, uh, hard closeouts chased off the three point line. You have contest three point shooters. And you have average three-point shooters, and then you have, you know, guys you want to shoot the three, and that's how you close out to them. You, on the scouting report, you should know who you're closing out to, and how yeah. you should close out. Hey, hey, Mo, help me, um, and 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 our viewers understand, for one, the competitive nature of high-level basketball. You know, this was, you know, national championships. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the trash talking that goes on. It and and I think I think trash talking has changed from the days you played in the eighties and nineties to, to where we are today. Because I know you guys talk, but you guys talk to each other. It seems to me that the trash talk that goes on now is almost for social media. Yeah. Well, you know, because, because now, you know, players, NBA, WNBA, college, whatever, you know, they, they have the, the, their TikTok, Instagram, all that. And, you know, if they get offended on that, they talk back to those people. I mean, you know, and in my opinion, why would you do that? These people aren't, aren't worthy to talk back to or trash talk to. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, in my day, if you trash talk on, on the court, which people did. I mean, Larry Bird's one of the best, you know, Gary Payton, all of them, you know, but you, you better be able to back it up, either with your play or physicality, because, you know, if you don't, and you better not, if you say the wrong thing to the wrong guy back in the day, you're going to fight. We're going to have a fight, you know, so you better be able to, to back it up either with your play or your fists, or we're going to have a problem, or like I would do, sort of like, okay, you know, Ricky, you're going to trash talk me and hit jumper in my face. Next time you come to the lane, I'm going to elbow you in that jaw. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to elbow you in the jaw and then I'm going to raise my hand. Uh, you know? So, I how, do you feel, how do you want to I play that? Feel, you know? so, I wouldn't feel too good about catching one of your bones, Mo. <laughs> but that's the, that's the way it was. Yeah, it was, but it's not that way anymore. You can't do that. You, you can't. I mean, you know, my favorite thing in the NBA almost was setting picks on un, 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 unknowledgeable guards in the backcourt. You know, that 
picking up City Monthly full court. I'm going to go uh, up to them in the full court and set a, a pick that he doesn't see. He's going to hit me in the chest and crumble at my feet, and then I'm going to run down the floor. <laughs> but you can't do any of that now. So I think trash talking has gotten worse. Uh, I think people that should trash talk are. That doesn't mean there shouldn't be no trash talking, but, you know, that's the same you know, if you can't shoot, you shouldn't shoot. If you can't make a shot, you shouldn't shoot. You know, you know, but uh, you know, some of it's getting out of hand. I mean, and talk about sensitive players when Westbrook is getting offended that someone in the stands calls him Westbrook. I mean, come on, man. You know, you, you know, Fee Five Fo Fanny, whatever that song was. Ugh. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? Westbrook. Is, what? You know, they call me Westbrook. That's a, you know, that's a, a, a mark on my name. And that's not true. Come on, man. Grow up. You know, if you're making $40 million and you're a star, people are going to say what they say. Now, you know, fans should, you know, there's crossing the line, you know, uh, derogatory, um, racial, uh, you know, threats against family, violence, that. Okay, but Westbrook? Come on, man. Right. Well, you don't know what people called us back in the day. You just you kind of ignored it. And I, you know, for if I was a fan, if I was an NBA fan paying good money to sit down by the court, and I called Westbrook, 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 and they kicked me out of the game, I would sue Westbrook. I would sue the league. I would sue the team. I would sue. You can't kick me out for saying Westbrook, and they do now. You know, that's you know, but. Part of it is too is the society, right? People on TikTok, Instagram, they feel that they're they have the right to talk back, and now it's going into the games, into the stands even more. Where you know, if I'm sitting on the floor, I can say whatever I want to you. That's not true, you know. But you know, this society is is leading into that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, the the thing with yesterday. Uh, you had a great run, a great tournament, and most of the conversation now is talking about the trash talk that went on. Uh, after I don't see you. Well, I don't see you, Ricky. Can't see you. You can't see me? <laughs> no, that's oh, oh, oh. I can't see you. <laughs> you know, instead of, instead of the great play that it, it was a great tournament for women's basketball, like you said, uh, so let, let's move on by that, and it's good to see the uh, the game growing, man. And uh, well, I mean, in, in my opinion on that, I know um, there's a lot out there that uh, well, it's who she was and who she is and all that stuff, and and what's her name did to other people, rightfully so. And if you if you watched it, she she, she didn't react to it, right? No, the girlfriend because she. She knew in her mind, someday it's going to backfire on her. She knew that. Yeah. But and I don't have any problem with that. But I do have a problem with the way the young lady from LSU did it. She did it blatantly at a free throw line when the game was already over, right? Yeah. The game was already yeah. over, and you're staring at her at the free throw line and doing it. Okay. But then the the one that got me was at the end of the game, where an opponent, a worthy opponent. Even though maybe uh, too much, too much trash talking from her, but she's a worthy opponent. Is walking to her bench after losing the biggest game of her life, 
and then you 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 go in between her and her bench and stop her from looking at her bench and do that in her face. That's that's stepping across the line. Now, if she's walking to her face and uh, if she's walking to her bench and you're you're at half court and you see her and you do that, which is going to be on TV anyway, right? Okay, whatever. But you don't go over and stop her from walking to her bench when she just lost that game and do that. The timing is everything on that to me. But but my thing is Clark's game. Look, you want you beat her, but she got game. I mean, and that's the thing that you guys did at, at, when when you guys played. Hey, you've been battling with MJ. You you beat him, or he beat you. But you're going to give that dude his respect sure. for the effort and the skill he showed. I mean, I saying, game recognizes game. I mean, even during the game, we're talking uh, talking crap and, and doing those signals, whatever you want to do. But at the end of the game, at the end of the game, you would go, you would go shake hand or give him some dap. Hey, good game, man. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't. That's why I'm saying timing is everything, you know, but, you know. But I, I, I think you're right, because I think it says a lot about where we are today in society as much as, as much as anything, where everything has to be so confrontational. And I, and I don't think, I mean, that young lady is going to be a top pick in the WNBA, right? Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, they could be teammates one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know, but if if I'm the LSU uh, young lady, and I, I, I know every NBA, every WNBA team is either here watching or watching on TV, I don't want to leave any question about my. I'm gonna have my personality, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be outspoken, and and that's fine, but. I don't want to cross the line where I put, you know, where, you know what? Should we pick her first, second, third? I don't know, you know? So you got to think about yourself and your own, uh, your own uh, uh, legacy too. I mean, that's, I tell, I tell college players or G League players all the time, the first thing you need to do is clean up your social media because that's what NBA and WNBA teams look at first. They have full-time people doing that. So, 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 so something like that will go in in the scouting report on. Uh, Absolutely, on for sure. Yes, you know, it, uh, competitive, uh, uh, rash. Uh, at some point, uh, sometimes may may cross the line. That could be in there, <clears throat> and all you need yeah. is something little, right? So you know that's why I tell our the players, you know. Don't have anything questionable on yourself. Don't, you know, people, you know, scouts go to games, you know, and, and they watch you play, but they watch how you act on the bench, how you act in the huddle, how you act to referees, how you act to teammates. You know, really, you know, we haven't got there yet, but, you know, I, I heard some stuff about uh, Luca in Dallas with the Mavericks of, you know, how he's, he's, he doesn't seem happy and he's crowding and he jumps on his teammates. Well, guess what? He did that four years ago when he was playing in the Euro Championships. Yeah. Not a surprise. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that makes sense, man. Uh, everything's on your everything's on your on your scouting report. 
everything like like in, in the NBA, they'll have multiple scouts <clears throat> go see the players play. And they'll write up their own reports. You know, and, and one night, uh, you know, some player could have had a, 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 a side look or argument with their coach or uh, had a problem in practice. That all goes in the reports, you know? Yeah. I, and that that's why we were talking a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Cam Newton had, had a workout. Uh, down at Auburn was throwing the ball. They said he looked great throwing the ball and all that's in shape. And I was saying then, and I'm saying now, that's all well and good because Cam's only, I think he's 32, 31, 32. But I was saying then, nobody's going to take Cam. It's no doubt in my mind he could be a backup in the NFL. But I don't want to, they don't want to deal with all the other stuff he's going to bring with him. Oh, we talk about that all the time. Okay. You know, he'd be an awesome backup and could step in, but would he accept that? No. no yeah. You're going to no. hear him all the time. I should be starting. All, I mean, it's not how talented you are. It's how you fit in with my team. You could be the most talented player in the world, but if you don't fit in with my team, let's look. Let's go back to Luka and Kyrie in Dallas. They're both. We're going to get to that when we get to the yeah, NBA. They're both two of the talented players in the league, but they don't fit together. So. I'm not looking for a, a backup quarterback. I'm not looking for the, the the most talented quarterback. I'm looking for someone that fits in with my scheme and will be a backup. Uh, you know, I tell guys all the time when I when I had teams, you know, in the G League or whatever, I tell them at the beginning of training camp, listen, I'm I got 18 guys in camp. I'm not looking for the 10 best players. I'm not looking for the 10 best players. I'm looking for the 10 players that make up the best team. Wow. That's a great, that's a great quote. Oh, so I, you know, and that's, I'm not, you need to fit in to, you know, uh, you know, you know. That, that, that is a great quote. And, and that's where. From the book uh, of Mo, not the 10 best players, but 10 best players that make up the best team. I love that. Yeah, the 10 players that make up the best team. I mean, that's, you know, the 12 or 12, whatever you're talking about in college or whatever. I mean, you know, what the 10. You know, you put the ten, you put the five best players ever in basketball in the world, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron and whoever the hell you want to, and they will lose to a good team because they're not a team. <laughs> you know, put put five of the best point guards, you know, that are one of the very best players. They're not going to win. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's uh, let's let's get to the. Uh... Association, the National Basketball Association. And we may as well start in Dallas and start in the wild, 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 wild west. <laughs> Where man, if you lose one game, Mo, you can you can drop three or four spots. But I, I do want to start in Dallas. They are currently 37-42, lost last night to Atlanta. Uh uh, they're three. They lost three straight, three and seven. They're currently in the eleventh spot, and uh, a game out of the tenth spot. Uh, they're thirty-seven and forty-two. Oklahoma City's thirty-eight and forty-one. Minnesota's thirty-nine and forty in the ninth spot. But they have gone backwards since acquiring uh, Kyrie Irving. They went from four. To eleven in about a month and a half. That that is stunning. That's stunning. Yeah, that's uh, perfect. Uh, what we were talking about. 
<clears throat> those two pieces don't fit together. Not only on the court, but their personalities don't fit together. They're both alphas. They're both want to have to have the ball in their hands. They both want to take the last shot. And that's okay, but you have to have one guy that's going to back down and say, okay, you know, I'm going to be Scottie Pippen. You know, but those guys, that's not in their personality. And they gave up a couple of good players. They weren't they in the West West uh, West Finals last year? Yes. They and they didn't pay Brunson. They let him go for nothing. They didn't pay Brunson, and then they sold all. They sold three of their big pieces from last year to get Kyrie to have one last hail mary to try and get into the finals this year. It doesn't work that way. And, and that's not, not on Kyrie, it's not on Luca, it's not on Jason Kidd, it's on Mark Cuban and the general manager. That's who it's on. So make that move. Not a good move, man. Well, is that, is that something, how, how would they have, been, what would that conversation have gone on, though? Because would they look at, I know they would say, okay, how do these guys, how do we project these guys spinning? Well, first of all, you got trade deadline. Everybody's calling everybody. Everybody's lying. Every GM is lying to you. Everyone you talk to on the phone is lying to you. You know, you got to understand that. So, uh, so first of all, you have to decide: Do we? Where, where are we at now? So we've had uh, uh, fifty games or whatever. Uh, to evaluate where is this team at right now? You know, barring injuries or whatever, for that, we have to evaluate where are we at now? Where are we? Are we uh, first round exit? Are we uh, get to the West Finals again? Are we get to the NBA Finals? Are we win a championship? Those are the levels you're going to look at. Or are we a lottery pick team? Well, there's your levels, right? Are we a lottery team? Are we a playoff team? Are we deep run in the playoffs? Are we uh, an NBA championship. That's four levels. Where are we? So you get with Mark Cuban, you get with the general manager, you get with the uh, vice president of basketball operations, you get with player personnel, and you get with your head coach. And you know, where are we? Let's look at a roster. Where are we now? Where can we be? Where do you see us? Jason Kidd, where do you see us? You know, uh, you know, and get all the info. And then you decide, okay, do we want to make a, a little move? Like, uh, uh, like uh, the Celtics had the Rodney and a couple other guys? Or do we want to make a big move and see if we can make a play for this? Because right now, we look at our team and we're we're going to lose in the first round of playoffs. That's what we are, right? So that's what we are. So do we want to go ahead and, and go down or do we want to make a move that can get us back up into maybe a top four? And if we make that move, what move are we willing to give up? What players will we give up? What will we get back? I mean... You know, I've said this before, you know, hey, we should, people say this all the time, let's trade for AD, let's trade, yeah, but you trade for AD or whoever, just put a name out there, KD, AD, whatever, and you got to give up, you got to give up three of your best starters. So sure, you're going to get a good player and he's going to come and play for you, but who's he playing with? Your team's not better. That's the thing that really, when the Phoenix Suns did what they did this year, they kept... Uh, Booker, they kept Chris uh, 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 CP, and they and they kept Aiden. Yeah. They kept the, and they added one of the best players in the league in KD. Mm -hmm. They didn't give up. They gave up some good players, but not their main players. That's, That's a bad. Bad. 
That's a logical move. Well, let, let, me, let me say this. Let me say this. Now, when they made that move, they were fourth. And, and it's been the Wild West all year. Denver has been sitting pretty much at the top. Memphis has pretty much been what they are. But Memphis, they have so much drama. Nobody. Oh, but they've, they've got aim, too. Yeah. So, so no, no, I, I, what I'm saying that in Dallas was probably thinking, we can go get these guys. We can catch these guys. Yeah, but it depends on what really? you're looking up for. I mean, like. Clearly they miscalculated. I mean. Uh, but they, 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 didn't even, they didn't even hit the target. They're, they're, you know, they're throwing darts at a bar and they didn't even hit the target. They hit the wall. I mean, you know, and the Suns, the Suns made that, brought that, made that move. They're still fourth. KD's been hurt, and now they know if KD's healthy, they're not in the fourth place team. They're top. They can compete with Denver, yeah. all right. But when Matt, when when Dallas made that move and gave up the players that you know uh, Dinwid and Dinwiddie and those guys, you know, so we're gonna we're not look at our. I keep telling you, roster makeup, right? You got to be eight or nine deep to play in the playoffs. You go, you know, solid guys, and you know, so now. You know, Dallas, we we used to have a deep team, not super talented, but we used to go 9-10 deep. Now we can go 6 deep because we gave up some of our best players to get one of the better players. But, I mean, all that calculation comes in. I mean, one of the biggest foopahs ever that nobody even thinks about is one I was involved with when I was with the Mavericks. And uh, Steve Nash was a free agent. And uh, we had Dirk Nowinski, Mike Finley, um, uh, we had a really good team, and Steve Nash was one of the better point guards in the league for sure, but he had a bad back. He was struggling, and we saw it firsthand. And Cuban and uh, the higher-ups decided, hey, Steve's on his downfall and, uh, you know, with his back, and, uh, you know, we're going to have to make it. We can't pay him uh, the hundreds of millions or whatever, so we're going to use – we're going to change our roster. Well – it turned out that the next very next year, Steve Nash was MVP of the league for the Phoenix Suns for two years in a row. And that that next year, if we would have had Steve Nash on the team, we would have won a championship. We would have won. We went to the finals and lost to Miami. If we had Steve Nash, we would. I would have a ring. So that was a miscalculation, big time, right? So happens all the time. People don't notice it. So so Mo, you and you as. As a former employee of the Mavericks, you've sat in those meetings. Cuban and the and the president of basketball operations going around the room. We're talking about trading for Kyrie. Mo, what you think? No, yeah, I'm not, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not in that room. I'm not in that room. The only people in that room are Mark Cuban, the general manager, uh, director of player personnel, and Jason Kidd. That's the only people in that room. Okay. Yeah, that's a different level. I'm not in that room. But but if, but if they if they ask you both, you yeah. got 45 seconds to tell me what you think of this. I, I would have brought out the the positives of what where we're at now, um, and, and where we can go, and I would I would have brought out not only uh, basketball wise that Kyrie and Luca are the same player. They have to have the ball in their hands to be effective. They're not off the ball players. Just look at their game. They all, they dribble, dribble, and they, they get points. 
for themselves and they create baskets, but they have to have the ball in their hands. And if we're counting on them to be on the floor to be impactful enough to get to the NBA Finals at the same time, one of them's going to be way, way less effective than they usually are because they don't have the ball in their hands. And now I would add in their personality. We know what Luca is. Luca's an alpha male. He always has been since he was a teenager playing with men, and he's not going to change. He wants to take the last shot. He wants to have the ball in his hands in the last play. Um, he's not a good defender. So let's go to Kyrie. Kyrie wants to take the last shot. Kyrie wants to have the ball in the hand. Kyrie's not a good defender. Where in what world do we think these two can coexist in the backcourt and we can be successful in the playoff series? That would be my pitch. And do you know who has not played well since Kyrie got there? Uh, Hardaway. Because he can't get the ball. <laughs> Hardaway has not. I mean, think about how well he played for them. He was he was one of their main guys. He, Hardaway had, uh, let's see, last night, he had six points. That's sad, yeah. But that's the whole makeup of And Kyrie and Luka played at the same time, right? You know, so... I mean, you got to think. Then there's 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 30 NBA teams, and a lot of them they don't they don't make good decisions. They don't make they don't want to listen. They get stubborn. They have egos in the way, and they don't make good decisions. I mean, you know, and there's not enough basketball minds in there. There's too many analytical minds in there. I mean, basketball is a numbers game, but it's also a, a, a heart and soul and basketball IQ game. I mean, that, you know, if I'm drafting players, you know, I'm good, they have length and they have arm span and they can shoot and they're athletic and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, how competitive are they? Uh, what's their basketball? Are they willing to learn? Do they listen? Do they consider coaching coaching or coaching criticism? What do they consider? You know, uh, do they want to get better? Is basketball one of their main things? Or is Instagram followers their main thing? That's what I want to know. If I, if I don't put 100 million in this dude, I want to know that, you know? And that's where your interviews at draft time are so important. Like most, I know Mavericks do, most teams have uh, sports psychologists that interview these players on video and they ask them specific questions to see what answers they can get, you know? Well, here's, Here's a question for you, and, and you, you can answer this. So, uh, this used to be one of the questions. So, you're on our team now. Coach so and so, there's somebody on the Bulls that's killing us. Coach so and so says, Hey, hey, Ricky, get in the game and go take that dude out. What do you do? I'm going to go in the game. I'm going to play him hard and try to foul him. Are you I, I'm not going to try to hurt him. Okay. I'm gonna be physical with them, though. <laughs> that's probably the right. That's the right answer. Yeah, but well, you know, I, I'm not. I'm gonna take that sucker out, or no, that's not me. It's not my personality. I'm just gonna play my game. Eh, wrong answer. Yeah. The answer is what you do. I'll go yeah. there. I'll be physical with them. I, I'm not gonna make it easy on them. I'm not gonna hurt. I'm not gonna try and hurt them. You know, right. But hey, if we collide and he gets hurt, that's the way it goes. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 absolutely. Well, well, let's let's move on. Hey, to a team that I thought I, I'm shocked at uh, how they have turned this thing around. And clearly, while the trade in uh, 
in Dallas has backfired. The Lakers have been a different team since they made their uh, their move. And Anthony Davis is playing like a young, spry Anthony Davis. And they are now sitting in the number seven spot at 40 and 38. Yeah. We, I've talked about this for a year or more or whatever. Westbrook never fit in with the Lakers. And then combine and it's not his fault. Well, you're blaming Westbrook. You're blaming Kyrie. No, I'm not. It's not their fault. But it's Brown. Fit, right? So 15. So, you know, he never blocks. David. That, that fit in either. You know, they had some young talent, but they're not veterans and they couldn't shoot. So they went out and made a tra- trades that brought in role players around those guys. They got rid of Westbrook. They don't have that headache anymore. They got guys around AD and LeBron that can shoot the ball more. They're more veteran. They play, and they play defense. The guys they brought in can play defense, and they accept their roles. So a lot of this has been because uh, LeBron's been out, so it's the AD show. But since LeBron's come back, he's, he scored 17 and 19. That's perfect. That's perfect. And they're going to be a team that's going to be dangerous in the playoffs. They're only a half a game out of the six spot. They want to get out of the plane. Seven, eight are in a plan with nine and ten. If they can move up yeah. ahead of Gold State and or the Clippers, which is no small task because there's only three or four games left. So unless you're playing those teams that are ahead of you, you're not going to move ahead of them because you're going to win a game, they're going to lose a game, you're going to lose a game, it's going to be what it is. But if you play them, that's a doubler. So not only do you take a game away from if they play the Gold State Warriors and beat them, they would leapfrog them in the spot or the Clippers. So I don't know what their, their schedule is, but the Lakers are no joke anymore. And, you know, LeBron's playing on a foot. I think it's really messed up, and he's going to pay for it like that later. But, you know, they're a team to watch. So, you know, you look at the wild, wild west right now, Ricky, and remember about a month ago we are only talking about Denver. Denver's the team. You're looking at uh, the first round, Denver would play either the Lakers, New Orleans, Minnesota, or Oklahoma City. Uh, Memphis would play either Lakers, New Orleans, Memphis, Minnesota, or Oklahoma City. The Suns would play the Clippers or Golden State, and Sacramento would play the Lakers or Golden State. So you, you know, talk about let's talk about a Suns Clippers series in the first round. You know, or Sacramento Kings have to play the yeah, Lakers. Yeah. I mean, that's the first round. You know, and, and then you know. It's going to even out after that, but you know, to me, you know, Denver, Denver wants the Lakers to get out of the playoff plan. They want them to get up because if the Lakers aren't in the play-in, then that means New Orleans, Minnesota, OKC, uh, or or somebody else. That's their first round, and their second round also is probably Memphis, so uh, or Sacramento. And you know what I see. What I see with, with the Lakers, uh, James has an ego as big as anybody, but he is smart enough to know that Anthony Davis is rolling, and he has no problem beating him. He had 18 points and 11 assists last night. I bet you eight of those assists went to uh, Anthony Davis. And I think he had 10 or 11 rebounds, so he had a triple-double. Yeah, yeah, triple-double, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's 
And at this point in his career, what does LeBron want to do? Score more points? He's already scored the most points in the history. Or does he want to win another championship? He, he wants to win the chip, and that's he, he knows that. He's one of the smartest guys back on the court, off the court. He knows that. So the only way is to have AD as, as the man and then help all the role players and then hopefully maybe focus a little more on defense and being physical and being a rebounder because that's what they need. And, and, and since the trade, since the trade, they have the top defense of rating in the NBA. You know what? Because they traded for guys that play defense. <laughs> it's magic. It's, you know, uh, Darwin Ham isn't some whiz that put in a special defense now that made a trade. That, that's, they're, doing, they're just got guys that want to and can play defense, but mostly it's one two. And, and you know, and you know, it's very obvious. Um, you know, the teams. I don't know what they're averaging point wise, but the teams that win championships are teams that score a lot of points, but also. Uh, you know, they're, they're, teams that win the championship are teams that are in the top five in scoring and the top five in defense. Yeah. That's how so the Golden State Warriors always were. That's what the Bucks were. That's that's how you win. Yeah. The Lakers can beat that. Hey, and you know, I, I give props to New Orleans, too, because they turned this thing around. They're 7-3 in the last 10. 40 and 38, they're doing all of this without Zion Williamson. And, and, and Mo, I'm thinking maybe the guys on the roster have just said, hey, you know what? We can't wait for this guy anymore. Let's just go play. For sure. And the coach told him, for sure. I mean, there's no other way to approach it. That's the worst thing for a coach and a team, you know, is to be, uh, uh, is, our, is our star going to play tonight? Is he going to play tomorrow? Is he going to play this week? That's the worst thing that can happen. The best thing that can happen is say, hey, listen, he'll, he'll be ready when he's ready, which he might never be ready. Uh, but let's just be who we are right now. That's all we can control. We can't control when they're coming back, or we can control what we are and how we play. So let's just do that and see what happens. Yeah. They're currently sitting in the A spot. But like I said, they, you know, they could go from eight to to 10 uh, just by losing one game. Consequently, they could move up because the Clippers are, are Clippers are 41 and 38, Golden State 41 and 38, Lakers 40 and 38, New Orleans 40 and 38. That, that little area right there is in these next uh, three or four games the teams had is going to really shape everything uh, once the playoffs start. Yeah, but like I said, with three games left, you have to play one of those teams or, or you have to get really lucky. Because right now, unless you're playing one of those teams ahead of you, it's not even going to matter, probably. I see the Lakers have Utah twice, the Clippers the Lakers have Utah twice and the Clippers. So that big game, the Clipper game, is a doubler. The Clipper game will tell if the Lakers are in the play-in or, or get the sixth or so, fifth spot. That game will tell, that one game. They got, they, got, they got Utah, Clippers, Phoenix, Utah to close the season. So the, the, the Phoenix and the Clipper games are going to dictate where they end up, because they're playing. Both of those teams are ahead of them. 
So and the and the Clippers have the Lakers, Portland, and Phoenix. Yeah, so, so the Lakers, the Lakers, and so all these games at the end. All those people out there that say games don't matter and play NBA players don't play all this, and these games will dictate how the playoffs their playoffs go. And this yeah. is the last three games of the season, so you know this is pretty unusual. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know it is, but that, but that all that also speaks to the uh, the the the, uh, uh, the the management of players' playing time. What is it? Low management. Yeah. I, I, I wonder some of these coaches. Man, I wish I'd have played so and so back in December. Of course they do. I mean, when we had know, the Pistons and we thought we could have beat them and they beat us. If the Lake, if the Lakers are forty three and thirty five, they're in the fourth spot. That's crazy. How about that? I mean, of, co of course, and you you don't think that way back then, but it all adds up, and it, it can come to it can bite you in the ass when the time is the worst. And, and you know, <laughs> the team that's going to be interesting and important for their whole franchise right now in the West is uh, Oklahoma City, OKC, because OKC is the youngest team in the league. All their guys are 19, 20, 21 years old, super, super talented. They're sitting in the 10th spot. So they need to get, at this point in that, in that uh, franchise's history, they have a lot. They got like 800 draft picks and all this stuff. They need to get those young players in at least one playoff playing game and give them a taste of that so they can move on the next year. Then they'll have the decisions. I trade their draft picks, what young players to get rid of, what to keep. But to get that experience for OKC, I mean, to be in the 10th spot right now for them, as young as they are, that's huge. But the next step for a team like that is to get, we need to get in a, in a playing game, and hopefully two. Heaven, if we get to get in the first round, that'd be awesome, because now that's how you grow as a, as a franchise. So I'll be watching them. It'll be interesting to see how those young guys react. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we've talked all about the East, and one team we haven't mentioned, and they have, I mean, I, I got to give them credit all season long. They have been pretty consistent. Sacramento Kings, 47 and 31. They're going to they're gonna have the number three spot. Uh, it's an outside chance they could catch the two spot. But, Mo, uh, first time they make the playoffs, I think in almost 20 years for sure, uh, just a great job by Mike Brown out there with that team. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately they're going to lose in the first round, so you know that's that's a given. I mean, in the first round they're either going to play right now they're going to play the Lakers or Golden State, so they're not going to win that series probably. So, but hey, you know, in my opinion, but uh, a great year, unexpected, um, something to build on for sure. I mean, you know, maybe they can. Be but unfortunately, it is the wild, wild west this year. So at the third spot, unlucky for you, you're going to have to play Golden State or the Lakers. <laughs> two teams that, that are playing much better basketball. Two and two teams that have won championships and two teams that have been there too. <laughs> yeah. But that that's another growth. So you know, we we made we finished third. Now we got to realize, you know what? Finishing third is all great and everything, but we got to focus on winning a playoff series now. You know, so what, yeah. how can we add to our team to do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the East right quick. Um, 
Well, it is as wild as the West is, is as solid as the East has been. There's been Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly all season long. And really, you could put Cleveland in that four spot. Those top four, they've probably been that way since Christmas. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was Boston for most of the season, and then the Bucks jumped ahead of them because I think they won 16 in a row or something, whatever they won. Yep. So they jumped ahead of them, and credit to them, they stayed ahead of them. But there's only there's uh, four games left, and the Bucks are two games ahead of the Celtics. I don't know if they play each other coming down the stretch, but if not, that's pretty much set. Um, I don't think Philly can catch Boston for the second spot because they're three games back. They're not going to catch Boston. And the Cavs are two and a half behind Philly. They're not going to catch Philly. And the Knicks are, are uh, three behind uh, Cavs. They're not going to catch them. And the Nets are three behind Knicks, so they're not going to catch them. So it's pretty, like you said, it's set. <clears throat> now the 7, 8, 9, 10, Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago, they, they have some movement that can be done here because there's only one game, two games that separate all of them. Uh, but you're looking at, you know, we've talked about this, Boston, Milwaukee, an outside chance Philly to come out of the East, and uh, and I and I, the battle for the first spot is not only for home court, but it's also for the, the bracket area. So if the Bucks finish first, then they're going to play Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, or the Bulls in the second round. Then they play the Cavs and the Knicks in the in the I mean the first round. Then they play the winner of the Cavs Knicks in the second round. That's a lot different than. If, they, if Boston finishes second, they're going to play Miami or Atlanta in the first round. Then they have to have to play Philly in the second round. And that's a big test yes. that you yes. lose. So when you look at brackets like that, you got to look at the long run. So, you know, the Bucks play, say they play Atlanta and, and, and win in five, and then they play the Cavs and the Knicks and win in five or six. Now they're resting while Boston and Philly are just – knocking each other out in a seven-game series. So yeah. that's why I give the advantage maybe a little bit to Boston. But any of those three teams, mostly Boston and Philly, I mean Boston and Milwaukee, Philly can sneak in there. Milwaukee finishes up with Washington, Chicago, Memphis, and Toronto. So they should, they, should, they, should, they should win three out of four of those, and then they're done. I mean, yeah. you know, if you win two of those you, and you look at what happens to Celtics, you might be able Rest your guys for the last one. But they learned last year they shouldn't rest them until you have home court because that cost them last year when they lost the home court by one game to Boston and lost in Boston. Yeah, Boston fin Boston has Phillies. Boston so has Phillies. So, so that's, that's, a big, that's a huge game for Philly. Yeah, so so that's a doubler. So right now, but at this point, Philly's three games back. So you win that game, you knock that down. There's an outside chance because it's a double. But by a double, I mean you have, win have, and you put a loss on someone ahead of you. They have uh, Boston, Toronto, Toronto, and Atlanta. So they're looking at they're looking at they're looking at three three wins, and then that that Boston game becomes that becomes their chance to get to the, to the second spot. If they do, I, I, they I'm do. sorry, I'm sorry, Paul. Boston has Philly, Toronto, Toronto, and Atlanta. Oh, so 
you know, if Boston wins against Philly, it's over. And, it, and even if they lose, they win those other three games, it's over anyway. They get the second spot. Yeah. 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 That's all. These are all things that drives coaches crazy and advanced scouts. You know, advanced scouts are the scouts that, that, that scout right reports on the team you're about to play. And I did that for five years in, Milwaukee, in Dallas. And, you know, waiting, if I was in the Wild Wild West now, you know, usually, like, if I was the, if I was boss, if I was a box scout right now, I'd be scouting uh, Miami, Atlanta, Toronto Bulls. I'd probably just focus on Atlanta and Miami and put together my report before, you know, before I have to final touches. But in, in, uh, in the West, you got, you got to have a, a basis report, the basics for six teams. <laughs> and that might come down to the final night of who, what, and those books are notebooks. They're 60 page notebooks. So, wow. Uh, I remember one night when I was with Dallas and it was either Portland or somebody else that we're going to, or Memphis, we're going to play in the first round. And I picked Memphis and put most of my effort in that because the next morning you have to hand out your report. So I had my report from Memphis, but I had part with Portland, but I was that last night, Portland lost in overtime. And I was the happiest guy in the world at, at one in the morning <laughs> that I didn't have to stay up all night to finish a Portland report. <laughs> hey, hey, Mo, uh, we, we got to get out of here, but I, I would like to touch briefly on the, uh, it looks like the uh, Players Association <clears throat> is about to uh, come up with a new CBA uh, with the league. As a former player, I don't know how much you follow this now, and I know you, you guys fought to help these guys get everything they get today. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, as a retired player in the Retired Players Association, the uh, current Players Association has been very kind to us and in, in, in putting money in our funds for insurance and surgeries and and, and uh, grants, you know, there's players that played in the ABA and played in the early years of the NBA that needed surgeries and couldn't afford them and didn't have insurance. So that money that the current uh, Players Association the NBA puts aside for us is very important to a lot of people. So we have we keep our eye on it, but we don't have any say in what goes on uh, in, the, in the current collective bargaining agreement. But from what I see, it was interesting to me because on, on the, early in the week, uh, Adam Silver came out and said, I think we're getting close. And then at the end of that day, he said, I don't know if it's going to get done. And that was probably a negotiation uh, ploy. But it looks like we're getting ready to sign a seven-year deal that puts them through 2030, um, which is good because they have one of, one of the strongest deals, one of the longest times between strikes and lockouts because it's a 50-50 split between owners and players of how they split the, the, the profits. And the profits being not only ticket sales and all that stuff, but merchandise. And the biggest thing is TV money. That's that's a multi-billion dollar business, TV money in the NBA and advertisement. So the owners and the players split that evenly. How the players make it is in different uh, different ways. The raising the salary cap, increasing minimum uh, payment, 
uh, all that stuff. And I think there's been some changes. What I read, uh, like they're going to smooth over the salary cap. By that it means, for people out there that don't understand, there's a salary cap in the NBA, but it's a soft salary cap. So let's say the salary cap in 2016 was 70 million dollars for a team. That means you can pay, you can pay your players total all your players 70 a total of 70 million in a year. Uh, however, you could go over that. Uh, you know, say you're going to pay an extra 10 million to get LeBron James. You go over that. That means you got to pay pay five, that 10 million plus another five that goes to the league owners and players. That goes into a pool. It's called a luxury tax. Well. In, uh, in 2016, the salary cap, because of the CBA agreement, went from $70 million a team to $94 million a team. So it inc increased by uh, 20, almost $25 million a team, which means the players got that somehow. Free agents, renegotiations, all that. Uh, so they, they put in a, they call it a smooth salary cap where uh, there can only be a max of a 10, 10% increase. So that means instead of salary caps going per team 70 million to 94 million, uh, it, could, it would have been the 70 to 77 million. Anyway, so that, that saves the, the owner's money. Um, a big change that I just saw today that I looked at, the new CBA agreement will allow NBA current, NBA current players and WNBA current players uh, active players to uh, invest in, in uh, NBA and WNBA teams while they're playing. That's net. You could never do that before. Uh, the, the rule was no owner of an NBA team can play while they own the team. So that's changing, which is going to change. Like we know LeBron has talked about having a team in, in, in uh, Las Vegas. So now he cannot, he can actually be part owner and play where last year he couldn't do that. So that's going to open up. And it, it lets people, you know, players that are making that kind of money, now they, you know, maybe they have a little more uh, uh, involvement. So you know, if I'm Giannis, I'm in a small market in Milwaukee, and I'm making 300 million or whatever, but now I'm going to own 10% of the team, I'm going to stay here longer, right? So, so that was one of the big changes I saw. Uh, they're also changing... Uh, uh, the luxury tax, they're putting another level in there. Uh, they're, they're 65 game minimum uh, to make it to the All-Star game or MVP, all those things. Do, do you uh, like that? Do you like that? Yeah, I think it's going to, I thought it was going to go a step further in that, you know, that you only get paid for the games you play. I thought they would, they're, they're leaning more towards that. I bet that was the starting point and they settled for this, which will eliminate some load management. Possibly, um, they're also um, uh, putting in. They're looking at putting in a uh, an in-season tournament in December. It's going to be here in Las Vegas. So that's a that's a model after FIBA leagues. FIBA FIBA leagues. You can win. You can win the uh, FIBA Cup in the first part of the season. FIBA Cup at the end of the season. The FIBA Cup. Total, you know they have all these cup games, and they're looking at doing that next year. That's going to be interesting. It raises more money, pays players more money. But I don't know if I like that or not. We'll see. Do you think, hey, hey Bo, do you think the partnerships we see with uh, 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 sports betting is just raising the monies that are available? Yeah. 
in, in all the league, in all the leagues. Yeah, that that's actually uh, another change that uh, current players can now um, represent betting entities, draft kings, yeah. and that they're, they're not allowed yeah. to. Uh, I don't know what the wording is, but they're not allowed to like, like uh, say who they should bet. You know, give people information on betting, right. but they're allowed to be um, uh, faces. You know, faces of you know, like you see, uh, Jamie Foxx is the face of DraftKings or whatever. Now, now NBA players are going to be allowed to do that, and that's a big money maker for them. So, uh, and the other little thing. Uh, you know, NBA now has 15 or 16 players. You know, they have 12 active, and then they have, you know, two-way players that go to G League and NBA. In the past years, you've had one two-way player that you can pay, you know, maybe a million dollars to when you play in the G League and on your team. They're expanding that to two players. So what the Players Association gains by that is it gets another 30 players as two-way players involved in the NBA as players in the NBA association. So that's a bonus for them. So there's give and take. Uh, I'm just glad they're working it out because they have a good thing. There's no reason to get stubborn. Everybody's making money. Uh, there's no need to get stubborn. You know, just, you know, give and take. They're classic give and take. You know, we want to limit the salary cap, but we'll give you another two-way player. You know, we, we want to, uh, uh, Limit the max contracts a little bit, but we'll give you. Uh, you can you can be a, a face of a gambling. Track, you know, all that is give and take. It makes sense, right? Amen. The the NBA the NBA Players Association does it better than any other uh, players union. Yes, they and, do. Yeah. And professional sports. Absolutely. Hey, that more sports don't uh, try to find out how they do that. How, how do you do that? Well, most of it is. 50-50, you win that one, man. That's yeah. I don't think any other sports like that at all. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's been great, buddy, as usual. Hey, make sure to check us out. Believe.com. You can get this show and past shows. B-L-E-A-V.com. We'll be back at our regular Monday night, nine o'clock uh time next Monday. We'll have we'll have the playoff breakdowns. We'll have who won the final four, and uh, more good stuff. Yeah, for Big Mo, Paul Mokeski, I'm Ricky Hampton. Peace. Hope your team wins tonight. Take care, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.